Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week we read Parshat Vayigash, and I'm actually going to focus just on that word, that first word, Vayigash, today. So when we left off, uh, we left off Parsha Miketz, last week's Parsha, with a total cliffhanger. It seems like things are really, 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 really bad with Yosef and his brothers. Now, why does it seem that way? Because they're engaged in this this big, huge moment of tension comes to a head. Yosef has planted the goblet on his brothers, and he sends the Egyptians out after them to go get them. And even though, of course, the brothers had no idea that this goblet was in Binyamin's sack, they have no choice but to go back to Yosef, of course, they don't know he's Yosef yet, because it's been found on them. It doesn't matter whether or not they were actually innocent or not. And they know that this is really, really bad. And Yosef calls them out and says, what have you done? You know that I practiced divination. I could have said, I could have seen this. And Yehuda steps in and he says, what can we say to you? Like, how do we prove our innocence? We can't lie. You found the club, the goblet. We're here to be slaves to you, at least the person whose goblet it was. And so it's like Yehuda is just kind of laying bare everything and saying and surrendering, essentially. And Yosef replies, "Uh uh-uh. No, only the person whose goblet was in their sack, he's going to be my slave. The rest of you are going to go back to your father. Leaves us on this major cliffhanger because, of course, we know that it's in Binyamin's sack and that, therefore, this is going to be catastrophic for the whole family. It's going to be catastrophic for Yaakov. It's going to be catastrophic for the brothers. Like as bad as we thought that anything could have gotten in previous stories with the brothers, this would be all that much worse. And then this week, our Parsha begins with, Vayigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda went up to him, meaning up to Yosef, thinking, of course, he's just this Egyptian higher up. Um, and he says, like, please, you know, let, let me just talk to you a little bit. I know you're equal to Paro. Um, and then what he does is he tells the whole story of what happened. He says that we had this other brother. Uh, he was the oldest of the of our father, the you know, sort of the favorite brother. Um, and um, and he died. And then we basically said, we ha- we told him we had to bring Binyamin, but he didn't want us to. And he explains the whole story that basically now we can't go back without him or else we will kill our father. <laughs> we'll kill our father, basically. So he he's kind of gives Yosef the highlights of the story. So I want to focus now on why, what is the significance of the word Vayigash? Because what we see is that once Yehuda does explain this whole story, Yosef transforms. That's when Yosef loses it and he reveals, reveals himself to the brothers and everything only gets better from there. Which means that something that Yehuda did really was able to take this moment of huge tension and transform it. And I believe that all really lies in the word Vayigash. Now, the word Vayigash is all over the Torah. It seems to mean he approached. It's like connotes approaching someone to get closer to them. Like maybe you already see them, maybe you're even already talking, but you approach them 
in order to get closer, perhaps in order to change the nature of the conversation, change the tone, it doesn't have one clear meaning throughout the whole Torah. If you look on the concordance for the word, you'll see tons and tons of examples that are really all over the place. Fine. So um, actually, I was thrilled to see this week that Rabbi Aviva Richman, um, who was one of my first Gemara Chavrusas ever in Drishav, like 15, 13 years ago, um, she did her, this week's Hadar Tvar um, Torah, all about one of the Midrashim on the word Vayigash from Breshit Rabbah. And fascinatingly, the Midrash says, well, this word Vayigash, Yehuda could have approached him for war, for appeasement, or for tefillah, for prayer. Basically saying that Yehuda sort of got close to him and conveyed somehow in his tone or in his body language that like, whatever you want from me, Yosef, I will give you. You want, you want to fight? We'll fight. If you want to, you want to, I don't know, have me just kind of kiss your feet? Fine, we'll do that. If you want like prayer? Fine, we'll do that. Sort of, I think, picking up on the fact that Vayikash isn't a one word with a specific meaning that it can, it, it's a fluid word that can mean different things in different contexts. And as she points out, it's fascinating that the Midrash sees this as a word that can mean Yehuda is both approaching him out of extreme aggression, but also approaching him perhaps out of prayer, out of appeasement, which would just kind of be the opposite of aggression. That it, really Yehuda could have brought anything with him to that moment and that the word Vayigash could capture all of that, which is interesting. There aren't many words like that, that can, one word can imply an entire range of tones um, that, that, that Yehuda is bringing to this conversation. Now, the word Vayigash also appears in an important scene in Bamidbar. By this time, they're, you know, B'nai Israel, they're traveling to the land of Israel slowly. Of course, we know the book of Bamidbar is full of fights. Nothing goes right. Moshe and the people are constantly yelling at each other, constantly upset with each other. And the latest is Ruvain, God, and Chatzim Menashe. They see that the land on the other side of the Jordan River is actually really, really good for their cattle and their sheep. It's really good grazing land. And so they approach Moshe and they say, hey, Moshe, um, what do you think? How about we take this land? Do you think we could do it? Moshe, understandably, loses it at them. <laughs> he just like starts yelling at them. Why? Because this seems to be just another kvetch that the Israelites are piling onto him and piling onto God. They've complained about every single possible thing in the desert. And now they're saying, you know what, that land that you're going to give us that you've been dragging us towards for 40 years, you know what? Eh, we'd rather have the land that's on the other side of the Jordan that's here, um, that isn't part of what God has given us. And so Moshe just totally loses it at them. That's a scene that quickly could have devolved into total chaos with then those two and a half tribes yelling right back. But instead they approach Moshe, Vayikshu. And they approach Moshe and they say, they change the tone of the conversation entirely. And we may remember that what they offer is they say, we're, don't worry, we'll take this land, but we are going to fight for the rest of your territory. We're going to fight. We will lead the charge to go into the land of Israel. Moshe was worried that they were trying to separate themselves out from the rest of the nation. And they're saying, no, 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 no. We are going to be with you the whole way. We will be in front, front and center, 
leading the army, leading us to conquer the land of Israel. It's just that we want this land. And with that word, with the way that they approach Moshe, they're able to change the tone of this fighting, to change the nasty, horrible, tense tone that is going to build up to catastrophe and totally reverse it by saying, don't worry, we want to be together. We're not trying to get out of it. We're not trying to cut corners. We just actually truly want this land for ourselves. Now, bearing that example in mind, we come back to this week's Parsha. As we said, we ended last week's, we ended Miketz, when it looked like things were about to explode. That Binyamin was going to end up stuck in Egypt as a slave, and the rest of the brothers were going to go back, having to confront their father, not only having lost Yosef that many years ago, but now also having lost Binyamin, having lost both of Rahel's sons. And we know that that would have been total catastrophe. Yehuda realizes that things are about to explode, and Vaigashalav Yehuda, and Yehuda is able to approach Yosef. And he's able to say something that somehow breaks this dynamic, this horrible tension that is building very, very quickly at the end of the previous parsha. And he, he, he's able to speak and to diffuse the situation and reverse the course entirely. Now, let's just spend a minute thinking about, looking at what exactly did Yehuda say? So he approaches Yosef and he says, he basically tells over the story of how they've gotten there and why it's such a big deal that they would lose Binyamin, that they've got this old dad and that his full brother, that they've got Binyamin, who's the child, you know, of his, like the Avzakain, right? The Yeladzikunim. And that his, that this Yeladzikunim, Binyamin, has this older brother who is dead. And then he says, he tells the story about how we didn't want to take Benjamin away from our father because his father would die if they did, but you said we have to. So we brought him down here. Um, we've been trying to get food. We, our dad really didn't want him to let him go, but we finally got him down here. Um, and also he mentions that Yosef, he was gone because he'd been torn by a wild beast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And our dad couldn't handle it. Now, what is Yehuda really saying to Yosef in this speech? And there's lots of back and there's lots of um, analysis of is Yehuda speaking? Is he really just saying what he thinks will get Yosef to change his mind? Or has Yehuda already figured out that this is Yosef and not some random Egyptian? Now, we can think about it both ways, but at the end of the day, we see that his speech is very powerful. Because what he conveys to Yosef is he finds a way to tell the story in a way that Yosef now knows. Yaakov is still alive. And Yaakov has always believed that Yosef was torn apart by wild beasts. That is something that Yosef didn't know. As many people talk about, maybe one of the reasons Yosef tries to, you know, he names his his son Menashe, Nashani, where he forgot his, his homeland is because He's under so much pain that his father never came looking for him. He has no idea what the brothers told Yaakov. He doesn't know that Yaakov thinks he's dead. Maybe he thinks that he was just sold and that Yaakov never came looking for him. The father who loved him so much never even came looking for him and that he was totally abandoned. And once Yehuda reveals this to Yosef, Yosef totally loses it. 
that's when he starts crying. And not just crying, but crying so loud, Vishma'u Mitzrayim, that all of Egypt can hear. Vishma Beit Paro, and that Paro's house can hear. He is, this is the moment that breaks Yosef. And then he goes, says to his brothers, Ani Yosef right? I am Yosef, is my father so still alive? And they stare at him dumbfounded, right? They can't even talk um, because they're just so blown away and so shocked by this whole scene. Now, the next verse, this is chapter 45, verse 4, is critical to rounding out our conversation about the word Vayigash. So now that his brothers are dumbfounded. Yosef is sobbing. What does verse 4 tell us? Vayomer Yosef el echav, geshu na elai, vayigashu. Vayomer, ani Yosef achichem, asher machartem oti mitzrayma. He says to his brothers, come forward to me, geshu na. And when they came forward, vayigashu, he says, I'm your brother Yosef, whom you sold into Egypt. And then the next Pasuk, he says, don't worry, don't freak out. I now see this was all part of God's plan, so don't feel bad. So we see that the Parsha opens with Yehuda Vayigash, Yehuda approaching Yosef. And the scene in some way closes with, or is only rounded out, when Yosef says to his brothers, Gishu come to me, and then Vayigashu, and they do. So what is the significance of having this word in the beginning? And then later here. Now, what I want to suggest is that this word shows two different models for repairing relationships. Now, we see that as when we left off with Parshat Miketz, when things are about to explode between this Egyptian officer who they don't know is Yosef and the brothers with the whole situation with Binyamin, it seems like the past is about to repeat itself. Like all the fighting between Yosef and his brothers as a kid has now survived, pent up somewhere for all these years and is now about to come out all again. It seems like history is just gonna repeat itself. And part of what Yehuda does is step out of that dynamic. Just like part of what the two and a half tribes do is step out of the dynamic of Moshe assuming the worst and fighting. They're able to say, just because things have been the way they are, doesn't mean that they have to be that way moving forward. That is how Yehuda takes a terrible situation and transforms it. But it's also important to see that how does Yosef round that out? He says, right? He says, come forward to me, and they do. And then he says, Ani Yosef Achichem. I am Yosef, your brother. And he could have just ended there. He could have just said, I'm Yosef, your brother. That would have, if he had ended there, that kind of would have taken the same feeling we get from Yehuda in the beginning. Is, hey, we're brothers, let's move forward. The past is water under the bridge. Let's just forget it and move on. But he doesn't say that. He finishes his statement with, Asher machartem I'm your brother Yosef, who you sold into Egypt. But right away, he says, don't worry about that. It's okay. It's all worked out, right? He's not trying to make them feel guilty, but he is reminding them of what happened in the past. And I think that this is really a beautiful message and a beautiful dynamic that we see emerging from here. We see, I think, that there are two different ways to heal 
bad, damaged relationships. Sometimes the way to heal damaged relationships is to do what Yehuda did, to have the kind of Vayigash that says, we are not repeating the past anymore. We are moving on. We are just going to let bygones be bygones. This is water under the bridge. We now need to think about the present and the future. That's sometimes what you have to do in order to heal a relationship. But it's not the only way that you heal a relationship. Sometimes you have to have the, the vayigash of Yosef to his brothers. You have to be able to revisit the past and not ignore it. Sometimes the only way to really fix things is to not just sweep it under the rug, but to go back into that most painful moment in the history of your relationship with someone and revisit it and fix it and to say, don't worry, it's okay now. And sometimes that's the only way you can heal a relationship. And I don't think it's that one is better than the other, but I think here we see both models emerge within this one scene. And it's only once they're able to do both that they really are able to move forward and get everyone down to Egypt and literally live happily ever after. Good job, us.